Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the world of fairies. So, we are now on the Igel, or Igel. It's a classic Greek mythology nymph, even known as Agel. Radiant was the son, was the mother of the Kretes by the sun god Helios. Echindrum, the brownie of Blednoch. Echindrum was an individual brownie from Scottish law who lived in Blednoch in Galloway. We did do his story actually in the English fairies that we did. Ail Ill, and the, the variation of the Ail Ill is the honey tongued. Elphos Bright, a Malaysian fairy king of Leinster Island, although he had the right to lay claim on Connacht through his mother's bloodline. So, yeah, another one, I guess. Elin Mac Midna, um, the wondrous elfin man. In the folklore and legends of Ireland, Mac Midna was the fairy musician of the Tuatha de Danon. He was described as being particularly dark, having a fiery breath, carrying an evil and poisonous spear. Mac played a magical twimpan, an Irish harp tambourine. He was so proficient with this instrument, anyone who heard him play would soon drift off to sleep. For 23 consecutive years, Mahmidan left his home and travelled south to play at the festival of Samhain held at Tara. Each year as he played, his audience would drift off to sleep, and each year, greatly annoyed at their having done so, he would blast three plumes of fire from his nostrils, setting Tara ablaze. Finn Mac Kumehel Ophiana, also a Sihi, tired of this annual burning, took Mac's spear from him and forced the musician to inhale its poisonous fumes. The noxious gas killed the harpist. Well, of course it did, right? It's not going to leave her alive. And the next is Ainsel, a shapeless thing. So in the folklore of Rothley, Northumberland, England, Ainsel, own self, an individ individual fairy, appeared as a playful female child. According to legend, one winter night, a mother tried to send her son to bed, but he was not sleepy and refused to go. The mother warned, should he stay up, the fairies would take him away. But laughing at his mother, the son ignored the warning. Not long after she left the room, a beautiful doll-sized fairy came down the chimney and introduced herself to the child as Ainsel. The two played nicely together until the fire began to die. When the child poked at the logs, a single odd ember struck the fae, causing it to scream out in magnificent pain. The mother came dashing into the room, asking her son, "'Who hurt you?' to which he replied, "'It was my Ainsel.' The mother, assuming her son had confessed to hurting himself, spanked and chided him for making so much noise when there was no one to blame but himself. <laughs> Ahmed. So Ahmed is also known as Ermid and Ermed, an Irish fairy goddess of herbal lore and witchcraft. Ermid was born the daughter of the renowned physician Dian Checht, one of the Tuatha de Dianon. She assisted her father in protecting his sacred healing spring. When her brother, Miach, died, she mourned so profoundly at his gravesite, all the herbs of the world grew from its location and revealed all of their secrets to her. Etusa, classical Greek mythology, a nymph, was born the daughter of the god of the sea, Poseidon, or Neptune, 
and the Oriads Alcyon. Ethusa was the mother of Eleutha by the god Ipol. Itvaris, hmm. housebred of Lithuanian folklore, the Itvaris could assume shapes in accordance to its environment. For example, inside of a house it looked like a black cat or even a rooster, but when outdoors it could look like a dragon or a serpent with a fiery tail. Traditionally, Itvaris was a powerful being living in the forest, but could be persuaded to serve as a family guardian. They brought abundance, good fortune, happiness and wealth to those of their favour. The Itvaris did not get along with the Pakunas, the god of thunder. Ewell. Now, there are variations to that also, but usually Ewell, Ewell, Ewell. So it depends, but it's a nature spirit and the cultural hero from the folklore of Dinka people of the Sudan. Born the son of the river spirit and an elderly widow woman, Ewell was responsible for helping people and their herds with his magical powers. His attitude, disposition and values were considered Dinka ideals. Embracing both his humanity and spirituality, he overcame great adversity. He rose to become the leader of his mother's people. He founded a priesthood known as the Spear Masters. The symbol of his power was indeed the spear. Mm. And that is the next episode of the World Fairies. Thank you for joining me and many blessings. channel and the world of the fairies. So we are now on Achaea or Acreia. Achaea was a nymph born the daughter of the river god Asterion along with her sisters Uboia. She was a nurse apparently to the infant goddess Hera or Juno. Akakosho or also known as the Akakaso. Similar to the Hamadryads of the classical Greek mythology, they were tree spirits or gnats from Burmese folklore. They lived in the highest branches of the trees. Um, their presence could be detected by the shivering of leaves, or if you saw leaves waving at you, but there was no wind in which to do so. Because you had these spirits around. Akaste, one of the naiads according to Greek oral poet Homer. Akaste. Born of the three thousand daughters of the Titans Oceanus and Tethys, Akiste was one of the named Oceanids in ancient Greek mythology. She is one of the playmates of Persephone or Proserpina and present when the goddess was kidnapped. The Hakiloids or Achiloids, silence. They were a collective name for the naiads of the river in Anatolia, central Greece. They were born to the daughters of the river god and they were very similar to sirens in the way they would use their sweet melodious voice to lure sailors and fishermen to drive their ship into or shore to hear their song where they would be dashed against the rocky shoreline and go under the deep. Acreia, one of the three nymphs of the river Asterion in Argos, southern Greece. And then the Acteia, anointed, kind of, is what it means. The Nereid, the sound of the lapping of the waves upon the shore. She was one of the named Nereid, who accompanied 
Thetis in mourning the loss of her son, Achilles. Al-Iwar. So Al-Iwar, according to the Quran, Al-Iwar is a one-eyed jinn, um, one of the five sons of Iblis. He was considered to be the demon of debauchery. Al-Nadaha. Jinnaya as well. Al-Nadaha and Jinnaya. Arabic folklore in Egypt. The Kola haunts an Nile River, very similar to a banshee. Only this fairest Kola is considered to be a death omen, more closely related to the Lorelei, mermaid or the siren. Though no one who has ever seen such a thing has survived to tell the tale, it is described as looking like a slender, tall, beautiful woman with flowing hair. Standing at the riverbank in transparent clothing, her hands by her side, she would call out in a calm, loud, yet soft voice. In some tales, she is described as having a translucent or semi-solid body, causing some folklorists to liken her to a djinn. Anyone who hears the voice of her is either devoured by it or pulled into the river and drowned. But either way, the victim's never seen alive again. Alan the Alan were a species of nature spirits from the folklore of the Tinguin people of the Philippines. So, I mean, if it is the Philippines, I know that, um, I'm not sure if the pronunciation is correct. So in English, it would be Alan, um, but maybe different in the Philippines. I'm not sure because I know they do pronounce it different. Um, but they lived in forest and appeared to be half bird and half human. The size of humans, their fingers bent back towards their wrists and their toes sprung from their heels. Although they were said to have homes made of gold, alans could be found at rest hanging back like from tree branches. Wow, that's amazing. They had a wide and varied array of magical abilities, such as taking after birth and creating a child from it, healing the sick, travelling the world, they took the afterbirth and created a child from it. That's wow. Generally, the Alan were considered to be mischievous yet benevolent, acting as guardians or foster parents of the mythological culture of heroes. That's really cool. I did not know about that. I like that. So the Albasta, also known as the Labasta, a species of fairy from Mari, people of Russia. The Albasta lived in the bathhouse disguised as an old man and woman, However, they could also take the appearance of a giant with long flowing hair. Created when an illegitimate child died unbaptized, these fairies could shapeshift into any animal, so long as it remained upon the ground. As it travelled through the sky, it looked like a shooting star. Like the, the demonic succubus, the albuster engaged in sexual intercourse with humans. It punished those who overindulged themselves with excessive sex, slowly killing them with exhaustion. Victims of this sort of assault would have a sore on their lips, left by the fairy's kiss. Any human lover the victim took on would also become sick and may die as well. An albuster could be defeated by catching it and breaking the fingers of its left hand, or by hanging a cross over each doorway of the house, to prevent its entry. <gasps> so remember guys, if your lover comes to you, and they have what we say is a cold sore on their lip, no, fairy's got them exactly what it is you know what they've been doing now <laughs> i'm just kidding but you know that's what it means alberish also known as the elfreak the alberic the alfreak the alpris 
Scandinavian and Teutonic mythology, Alberich was the king of the dwarfs, also known as Dark Elves, and was the brother to King Goldmar. Described as looking like a hideous gnome, he lived in an underground castle decorated with precious gems. Alberich was the keeper of the belt of strength, a magical ring, cloak of invisibility, and the invincible sword. Balmung, he was also the individual who forged many of the gods' magical, magical items, such as the legendary Freya's necklace. It's been speculated that Alberich, whose name means elf ruler or elf king, had dominion over elves, in the same fashion King Solomon had dominion over demons. Hmm. The Alchiringa. Alchiringa. From the Arunta tribes of Central Australia. The Alchiringa was a race of fairy spirits who live in the invisible realm. They're also called Alchiringa. Alchiringi. Again, there's very different variations of them. And they're similar to sort of like fairyland. Only medicine men have the ability to see these ancestral or nature spirits. But they were described as being shadowy, thin, young in appearance. The Alchiringa lived in stones and trees and were appropriated in order to secure their favour and protection. Alcina, a fate. Luxury driven Alcine, or Alcina, was said to have used a magic to create a splendid palace surrounded by the Wall of Gold on Alcina Island but was displeased with the island's location. She conspired with her less chivas sister, Morgana, against their virtuous half-sister and rightful heir to their father's throne, Logistilla. The unfortunate sister's castle was on the same island as Alcina's, but was in a far less accessible and ideal location. Alcina was known to lure great numbers of men onto the island and take them as lovers, and when she tired of them, transformed them into plants and stones. Although old and rather ugly, she appeared to be dazzling and beautiful by means of glamour magic. Commanding an army of ape men, cat men, centaurs and dog men, she went to war against her sister, Logistilla, but lost when all her men she had transformed were restored and rallied against her. See, that to me is an interesting story. Because did you know, guys, there are people today that still see things like this in the woods, What's to say? They are not the same. They are just the fairy people that are living out their lives in their own realm. And sometimes we cross that realm. Who knows, right? Impossible to say, really. But all fairies are very intriguing. I love to learn about all the different ones. I've not heard of some of these either. And that's unusual because I've heard of a lot. But some of these are also new to me, so I'm learning along with you. And I kind of like that. Thank you for listening to this episode. It means so much to me and I really do appreciate all of your support. If you can do me a favour, please hit that like button. Share if you can. If you're not subscribed, then please consider doing so. And also, if you can leave a comment in the description, it really does help the channel. And I really appreciate it. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the world of fairies. I'm really enjoying these, even I've not heard of them, you know. So our next one is Alcino and Alcinda. 
Now, Alcinda meant light, was an infant Greek mythology, and she was charged with the care of feeding of the infant god Zeus. Alcinor was an infant, obviously, mythology of classical Greece and Rome, one of the naiads. She was one of the many nurses of the infant god Zeus. Now, it does put Jupiter in brackets here because they are somewhat, it's the, the variations of how they changed and, you know, such like. Alcyon, one of the Oreads. Alcyon was a nymph from classical Greek mythology. Born one of the daughters of Titan Atlas and the ocean nymph Pleon. She was the eldest of the Pleiades, the seven sisters and daughters of Pleon. These sisters were known as the Atlantides. Alcyon had a long-standing love affair with the god of sea Poseidon by which she bore many children, also called Neptune. Depends on which mythology you're looking at. So, Alecto, one of the three furies from the classical Greek mythology. Alecto was Envy, the sister who specialised in maintaining justice. She, like her sisters, were described as looking like an old hag with bat wings, bloodshot eyes, snakes in her hair. As sometime, they were confused as being Gorgon, the ancient Greek um, tragedian, yes, he claimed that in 456 BC. They were also claimed to be sisters and, and daughters of the night, while the tragedian Sophilis, or also known as the tragedian Sophocles, which was 406 BC, said they were daughter of Scotos, the personification of darkness and the earth. So it really does vary, you know, regarding as on what you want to believe. Um, I guess it depends on which folklore you're looking you're looking at, and and it's one of those things where I think times will change, you know, and and things will change through time. Whether they do carry on to do that through time, who knows. We're not going to go to elf because we did that. It's the German word, basically. Um, for elf, we did that in the British ones. But it's also been known as used for dwarfs as well. So then we have alpha, and the variations are alb, alberish, alphablot, and alfia. Alpha came from Scandinavian folklore and was named in the Nibelungian saga. A singular entity was originally seen as a being half god and half dwarf after the introduction of Christianity. He was demoted into the demon of diseases and nightmares. Hmm. Interesting how they got demoted after, don't you think? Because <laughs> they did, looking at them all. Halfelm. So in Scandinavian mythology, Halfelm was the city inhabited by the light elves. And as we've said before, the Jotlfar was also the location of the home of the god of rain, sunshine, vegetation, Freya. Alfriki. Alfriki was one of the men dwarfs named in the Voluspa. The first and best known poem of the Poetic Edda, a collection of old Norse poems dating back to about AD 985. Alfrig. Also known as Alfrik. Norse mythology. Alfred, whole beloved, was one of the four Prinsengarmen dwarfs who were created the prize necklace for goddess Freya. They created the prize necklace for goddess Freya. He once spent a night with the goddess discussing and debating the many aspects of the world. 
Alfred and Beling were uncommon names for dwarfs, and only appear in the Sola Thatra, which is interesting. They only appear in that manuscript as those names. Other than that, they don't. So this is Alf's, um, it's a variation of Elf, and the one of the three races of Nornia, they're a type of fate in Norse mythology. Um, dwarves and such, you know, they're described as tiny children wearing caps and they dance in circles in the woods where fire is said to spew from the earth. In the morning, um, the ground where these fae have danced in scorching sort of heat where the fire comes up from, it quickly grows back thicker and greener than before and on occasion they become possessive of this particular tree that they've danced around and you'll see it's got like a a sort of protection ring around it, and they would assault anyone who would try to chop it down or go near it. They're uncommon to fairy kind, the elves. Um, they have the ability known as the elf gust, the elf blast. When one of these fairies breathe upon a person, and they will fall sick, and oftentimes they will actually die. Typically, only children who are born on Sunday have the ability to see these, but... Yeah, they are known to occasionally grant this ability to those who happen to come across them as they dance in the woods. Interesting indeed. The Alkino. Classical Greek mythology, Alkino was a nymph of Mount Lycaos in Arcadia, central Greece. She was one of the nurses of the infant god, Zeus. He had a lot of nurses, didn't he? Alkippi, a classical mythology from Greek. Alkippi was a fountain nymph. She was born the daughter um, of the god of war, Ares Mars, by the nymph Aglorus. Alkip was in love with the godling, a son of the god of the sea, Poseidon. Her beloved was slain by her father, Ares. Dear me, tragic love stories. The Al... And I do believe this is pronounced Alkionides. In classical Greek mythology, the Alkionides were the seven daughters of the giant Alkionos. And when the godling Heracles, also known as Hercules, slew their father, the sisters threw themselves into the sea, but Amphitrite transformed them all into kingfishers. Well, that's interesting. The next is Alombagwinosis. Alombagwinosis. This is mythology of the Abenaki Indians of New England. The Alombeguinosis were a race of injurious aquatic dwarfs who lived in deep pools, rivers and lakes, in areas where the water was particularly turbulent. They came up underneath canoes and capsized them in the hopes of drowning its occupants. Very powerful fear. They had the ability to, they had the ability to increase their size at will. They could come extremely large or small, just in the blink of an eye. Now, they were underwater, so it's believed they have underwater communities, but their stories were sort of isolated into individual living rather than a community, though it is believed there is a community of them down there. They possessed a magical pot also. When a few grains of maize were added to it, the pot inflated to a huge size, making more than enough food for the community. They were described as being about three feet tall, having incredible black straight hair growing down past their waist. They did not wear any clothing of any sorts. Normally, these fae preferred to remain hidden and avoid contact with mankind. But to see one of them, well, was considered a death omen. A prediction that you were going to drown, possibly. Oh, that's not nice, is it? 
anyway, that's the next part of the world fairies. I really like learning about these. They're very interesting. Thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. And please hit that like, share if you can. If you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. And do drop me a comment because it really helps the channel. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the world of the fairies. So we're going to continue where we left off. We're now on the Al-Said or the Al-Said or the Al-Seedis. The Alcides groves of classical Greek mythology were a subspecies of the Limoniad. They were the nymphs of sacred groves, but they also appeared in glens, lightly forested areas and meadows. These fairies had a reputation as being pranksters and enjoyed playing tricks on travellers. Alston Alston is a British surname whose origins came from the Old English and it translates meaning from the elf's abode. Althea, one of the Hyad. Althea was a nymph of Mount Ida on the island of Crete in the Greek Angansee. She was one of the nurses to the infant god Zeus. She was commonly grouped with fellow nymphs as well, so she wasn't usually alone. Althea. Also, there's a variation, Amalthea, a nymph of Mount Ida on the island of Creek in the Greek Angin Sea. She was one of the nurses to the infant god Zeus. Altheof. Altheof is one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa, the first and best known poem of the Poetic Edda a collection of Old Norse poems dating back to A.D. 985. Altheolf. Now, Altheolf means mighty thief, and it's a dwarf that's also, well, another dwarf that's named in the Voluspa as well, but known as, obviously, a good thief. <laughs> now, this one is, it means all thief, Aljofa. And again, it's another of the dwarves named in the Voluspa. Alux, and the plural is Alux Ob. Now, there are variations to this being depending where in the world you are. Alus, Ahulut. Um, there's also Ajipans, Alush, Parux, Corinquians, Coropiras, Duende, Goazis. Goazis, Ixtabe, Cax, Matuyus, Vasistris. The main people of the Yucatan, Venezuela and Guatemala had in their fairy mythology a being known as the Alux, Standing only about knee height and dressed in traditional main clothing, the Aluxub remained invisible except to frighten humans or when congregating together. A type of nature spirit, these fae were associated with natural features such as cave, forest, large stones, but it's believed with proper offerings and looks could be enticed to move to a different location. A small one and two-story shrines called a Catal Alux, House of the Alux, dot the countryside. 
Farmers would sometimes build such a structure in their maize field for the Aluxup to move into. It was said for seven years the fairy would dwell in the shrine and care for the crops, even causing proper amounts of rain to fall. And at the end of seven years, the doors and windows of the shrine must be closed, trapping the Aluxup inside. If this was not done, the fairies would become injurious tricksters. Alva, and again, it does have many variations, but in German, the word Alva means army or elves. Alven, but its variation is Ottomanier. <laughs> in the fairy lore from the Netherlands, the Alven elves were species of light elves. They were described as having transparent and translucent bodies. These were powerful fae, and they were said to have control over lakes, ponds and rivers in which they lived. Interestingly, they were also said to have a strong dislike of fish. Mainly associated with the river Elbe, the wingless elven flew through the air by riding upon or within bubbles of eggshells. Especially fond of night-blooming plants, such as nightwort, they would cause illness or even death to any cattle or human who harms these plants. We have Alvin, and this is an old English word, um, Alvin meaning elf wine or noble friend. Just kind of depends, you know. The Alvina is also an old English word, and it means friend of the elves. Alvis, also known as Alvis, or wise. It's one of the kings of the dwarf in Nordic mythology. His story is told in Alvis Maleda. Alvis had fallen in love with Thrud, a powerful Vakri, and a daughter of the god Thor. When he asked for a hand in marriage, it was granted if Alvis would stand before Thor that evening and correctly answer 13 questions about the naming of beer, clouds, fire, forest, moon, night, sea, sky, stillness, sun, wheat, wind, and the world in the languages of the Aesir, the Elves, the Giants, the Gods, and the Vanir. The questions were simple enough, but took a great deal of time to answer fully. Just as Alvis had correctly answered the last one, and took a step to take the hand of the woman he had rightfully won. The first rays of sun fell upon him, turning the dwarf king into stone, it is believed. Amadan. So the Amadan does have various names that it goes along with. Amadayin, the Amadan Moor, the Amadan Na, Brionna, Amadan Na, Bruni, Stroke Lad. The Amadan was a fool of the Irish Sihi, choosing people at random to curse or punish with his incurable crippling touch. The injurious fate disfigured an individual in such a way it would cause them to be ridiculed for the rest of their lives. Fortunately, his presence alone was not enough to do the damage. Even the famed fairy doctor, Biddy Early, was unable to cure Amadan's touch. In more severe cases, Amadan would strike a person dead on the spot. Although active all year long, he was particularly active during the month of June. According to Lady Isabella Augusta Gregory, an Irish dramatist and folklorist, if Amadan was seen a difficult prospect, as he was not only a shapeshifter, but could become invisible, his assault could be prevent prevented by repeating the prayer the Lord between us and harm, until he left the area 
or you have moved far enough away from him, because the fellow was insane, even by fairy standards. There was no reasoning with him. There was no way to appeal to him, to reverse the harm he had caused. That's just how he was. Amalthea. Amalthea, tender goddess, was a nymph from classical Greek mythology who nursed the god Zeus, while he was an infant with goat's milk. In some telling, she was described having horns of being a goat. She was rewarded for her services to the god by being placed among the stars of heaven, making her the constellation known as the Celestial Goat. Oh, kind of pretty that, really. Amathea. A sea nymph, Amathea, Queen of Voice, one of the nearest, named in Homer's the uh, Iliad. She was described as having azure locks, luxuriant, or some translations put it, long, heavy hair. <coughs> long, heavy hair. Hmm. So the next is Amatongo, of a plural, Umzimu. In African fairy law, the Amatongo ancestors were a type of ancestral spirit, similar to the pharaohs of Scottish law. They were first, Amatongo was created by the death of the first man. Since that time, more of these fae were created when an existing Amatongo takes the life of a person. Those so taken were now Amatongo and worshipped as such. Each family worshipped the previous head of the house, but seldom further back, as the names of long dead were quickly forgotten. When proper sacrifices and prayer requests were made, the Amatongo appeared either in a dream, as a lizard, or as a snake. Uncommon for the Fae, these fairies had the ability to possess a person causing convulsions and hysteria when they took up residence in a human body. They anchored themselves between the person's shoulders. In addition to causing illness in animals and humans, the Amatongo could also cure illness if proper applications were made and supplications to them. Doctors would often pray to them as part of their healing process. Amberabad. So, Amberabad, Amber City, one of the cities or provinces in Jinistan, the Persian mythology equivalent of Fairyland. Ambrosia. According to the classical Greek mythology, Ambrosia was one of the Dodonides, the seven nymphs who cared for the infant god Zeus. The Amnisaides. In classic Greek mythology, they were nymphs of the river Amnusos and the island of Crete in the Aegean Sea. They were the attendants of the goddess Artemis, apparently. Amoret. In Greek mythology, Amoret was the epitome of grace and charm. She and her twin sister, Belphobe, were born the daughters of the nymph, Chrysogoni. Their father was the warm sunlight that fell on the sleeping Chrysogoni after she bathed one afternoon. Born in the woods, the infants were found by the goddesses Diana and Venus as they were searching for the lost god Cupid. Belphobe was taken and raised by Diana, while Amoret was raised by Venus, who took her to the gardens of Adonis. Amoret fell in love with a knight named Scudamor. He courted her and won her love over twenty suitors. Yeah, wow, so she had a lot. 
Ampelos. In ancient Greek mythology, Ampelos was one of the Hamadryad, born of from the incestuous relationship between Oxylus and his sister, Hamadryas. Ampelos was a Hamadryad of vines, especially Vitis. Amphicomon. Amphicomon. Greek mythology is a water name from one of the Danads, the collective name for the daughters of Danus, and her name appears in a list of Danads generated by Gauss Julius Hyginus. This was 64 BC and AD 17, and again, it was a Latin author, as you can probably tell by the name. Amphinome, a sea nymph born of Nereus and Doris. There's lots of sea nymphs, so to be honest. Amphiho, born of 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Tethys. Amphiro was one of the named Oceanids. Amphiro, again, was one of the daughters of 3,000 of the Titans and the Oceanus and Tethys. And, um... She is like flowing water or usually a surrounding stream, but she's one of the oceanists. <clears throat> Amphitrite. She was, again, one of the 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus, and Tethys. She is one of the named Oceanids. Amphitrite was also the nirid of hot floor sea caves as well as the nymph, who in classic Greek mythology reluctantly married the god of the sea, Poseidon. She tired of her husband's affair, though, with Scylla, and so changed her into a sea monster. As a Nered, she was born the daughter of Nerus and Doris. But there is um, actually various writings regarding that. You can find a few stories regarding her, and they're very different. Then we have Amamon, Hyper. Nestra, but also Anmon, but a variation is Ipanestra. Classic Greek mythology, there are two different versions of Anmon's story. The pre-Olympian myth, she was a beautiful nymph who caught the eye of a god of the ocean, Poseidon. A satyr attempted to rape her, but the god intervened. Rather than continuing the assault himself, he chose to court her and promised her many springs, one of which was a hidden spring. Lerna is also housed one of the entryways into Hades. Amimon accepted Poseidon's promises, and is said to live in Lerna to this day. Also, Amimon may be one of the Danu's 50 daughters, collectively known as the Denads. It's, like I say, wherever you read the story, it kind of changes. Anne was one of the many dwarves as well, just and, and one that's in the Veluspa, and there's many dwarfs in, in that, obviously. Anna, from the folklore of Romanian gypsies, Anna was the queen of the fae, tall and lithe. Anna was staggeringly beautiful, generous and kind. She lived in a magnificent mountaintop castle. According to legend, Anna lived and charmed life in her enchanted castle, located in Transylvania mountains. Her life was idyllic, until she captured the eye of the king of demons. Anna refused his advances and proposals of marriage, 
until his demonic horde attacked her castle and began to heat a fairy entourage in order to save her remaining people. She agreed to marry him. Anna, being a goddess of fertility, conceived a child with her very first sexual encounter with the king of demons, forever thereafter condemning her offspring to be born as demonic beings. After a lengthy and horrific pregnancy, she gave birth to the demon of disease. After ten such ordeals, she was able to convince the king of demons to set her free on the promise whenever one of her fae reached the age of 999 years of age, it would marry one of his, Lokalika, a type of malevolent spirit. Filled with remorse and shame, Fairy Queen Anna almost left her castle in Carpathian Mountains. However, when she does, she travels in the form of a golden toad. If she's approached with great veneration, she will fulfil any wish you ask of her. In the Celtic language, Anna translates to mean abundant, while in Romanian it means nourishment or sustenance, though they both sort of have the same kind of meaning. Anata Shisha, also just Anata, meaning endless. The king of the Naga and the cosmic serpent in Hindu mythology, Anata Shisha was described as being immense and having either seven or one thousand heads. He was a protector and supporter of the god Vishnu. Ananta Shisha's bit was not only poisonous, but it could also spit fire. This was the same fire it could use to destroy the earth at the end of the earth cycle. Anar, Anar, sword part. It's one of the many dwarfs in the writings of the Voluspa. And now we're on Anchiro. Anchiro was a nymph from the mythology of classical Greek and Rome, one of the naiads, born the daughter of the river god, Erecinos. She was one of the many nurses to the infant god, Zeus. He had a lot of nurses though, didn't he? Andvari. Andvari was a dwarf from North mythology. He once spied a great hoard of gold belonging to a school of river nymphs. As he stole their gold, the nymphs begged him to return it, promising an array of sensational delights if he did. Andvari knew he was so deformed, hideous and ugly, the only way he would ever have love and affection of the women would be he by it. In his realisation and rage, he swore an oath to the gods, claiming from that moment on he would love nothing but gold. Using his innate magical abilities, he turned his stolen treasure into a magical golden ring he named the Andvarnot, Andvari's gift. It had the ability to both locate and generate gold. By use of the ring, Andvari had an amazing hoard of magical armour, weapons and items of incredible value. In one fell swoop, the entire collection was stolen by the god Loki when he needed to pay a ransom. Initially, the dwarf was not devastated by his loss, as he intended to remake his beloved hoard, but Loki forced him to surrender the ring. And Varanot as well. And Vari knew he had no choice to comply with the god's demands. Before doing so, he used innate magic abilities to place a curse upon the ring, dooming anyone who possessed it. 
I am, it's one of my favourite stories, actually, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of glad that story was in here. Anyway, guys, that's the next part of the world of fairies. They're so very interesting, aren't they? To You know, when you look way back and then you learn about all the different ones through time. There's so many different ones. Although they sound more or less the same, it makes you wonder if it wasn't just wherever they were from, the name changed, you know. Could it have been culture? Could it have been time that changed the names and they did have the same names? Kind of amazes me. Please hit that like, guys. Share if you can. And if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Also, I'd love it if you would drop me a comment down below because any of that is completely free and it really helps the channel. Many blessings.